Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Mother's Day. How many of you mothers had breakfast in bed? Anybody got breakfast in bed? Anybody? Mothers, breakfast in bed? You did, right? Now, my mother-in-law had breakfast in bed, right? You ready for this? I mean, my father-in-law is the man. <laughs> my mother-in-law had breakfast in, you get it? She sent me a picture. I, I said, I'm going to be remiss if I, I don't know if you can see it real well. That's my father-in-law. Where is he? But I checked on this one. She sent it to me and she gave me the okay. He's in there. But I had to send this. She's like, oh, great Mother's Day. Breakfast in bed. Right? Gotta love it. And he's such, a, he's such a doting husband. He's an amazing man, right? But he likes sleep, and he passed that on to my, my wife and my oldest son. Right? I wasn't going to share this, but now that we're talking about sleep, what was the context for that? He got a, um, his teacher made essential Stand oil, up. like a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get along with Is that amazing? Isn't it incredible, right, parents, when your kids are so honest with you, right? No filter. Mom, you sleep too much, right? It's great. Well, you ready for the word? Let's jump into it. Came across a story that I wanted to share with you. I thought it was, it was fascinating. Uh, the people in Paraguay, how many, anybody have been to Paraguay? I've never been, right? Well, in Paraguay, the, there are people that are making music, ready, get this now, with their trash, with their sculch, with their junk, with their refuse. They're making music with this. Would you like to see a few pictures to see what I'm talking about? Well, here's one right here. I don't know how well you can see this. This is a bit. Now, I'm talking, this is in one of the poorest areas of the country. The name of the area is Kotora. They are turning, this article said they are turning wash tubs into kettle drums, plastic hoses into trumpets, you know, you think of orchestras, right? Like really great orchestras. And what do they do? They fine-tune their mahogany, you know, cellos or their brass tubas, but not this band, all right? They have found a way, the article said, I love this, to play Beethoven sonatas with plastic buckets. Pretty neat, right? I'm not done. Wait, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. Look at this. This is all from trash. Number two. Here's the last one. I mean, this is a crazy story. Now, these individuals, these kids that are part of this, they live in such a poor area where, I mean, I'm talking abject poverty, where they go into the dump that's there in Katora and they sell the junk that's there. They collect it for 10 cents a pound. Now, here are the two individuals, right? Their names, let me get their names correct. Nicholas Gomez and Fabio Chavez are the two individuals that are responsible for this. Now, the first guy, Gomez, is a garbage picker. You see, this is the shack that he lives in, which is directly next to the garbage dump in Katora. And here is this guy who's an incredible craftsman, didn't know anything about music in his life. And he teamed up with this guy, Chavez, and they have made incredible music. They play Paraguayan folk music. 
They can play heavy metal. They even play some Sinatra music. They play it all. They have played before dignitaries. They have played before Pope Francis. They have played before uh, politicians. And you know what their nickname is? You know what they were coined the phrase? Here it is. Ready? The Recycled Orchestra. What a story! The Recycled Orchestra. The things that people said, hey, just take that and throw it out. They said, we're going to take that and we're going to make some incredible music out of it. And they've even backed up like some amazing, I mean, Pastor Linda's favorite band. They played before Metallica got on there. You know she's a crazy Metallica fan. Enter Sandman, right? <laughs> playing that song as a kid before church. Pastor Linda playing Metallica music in the house. <laughs> Keep it real. But they're incredible, right? This second chance band, this band of grace. And you know what it got me thinking? You're going, what, where are you taking this? Let me tell you where I'm taking it. Because I think when you look at the Bible, I think you see a God who took some riffraff and took some people that you know, society said, you're excluded, they were marginalized, they were thrown out, and God said, I'm going to make some beautiful music with your life. Can I tell you who's in the band? Can I tell you who's in the band? I see first trumpet. I see Peter because he's loud, right? Oh, he's had his foot in his mouth, foot and mouth disease. And then over here, you know who I see, Eric? I see a guy by the name of Paul, the apostle Paul, who was a thug. Pharisee of Pharisees. And he's right there. What's he on? He's on the saxophone. There's Paul. He's playing the sax. And then I see King David. He's on the harp. The conniving, bloodthirsty, adulterer. You want me to go on? All these sins that he's committed. This is the orchestra. God said, I'm going to make some beautiful music with these people's lives. But there's a little woman, Sue, that's over here in the band. And she's on the clarinet. And we don't hear a lot about her in church because her story is rated R. Can I give you a rated R sermon this morning? Oh, I know what you're thinking. I'm talking about a redemption story. It's rated R for redemption. I set y'all up. You didn't see that coming. What's her name? What's her name? Her name is Rahab. Her name is Rahab. And she's on the clarinet. And I'm telling you, God gave me this story, and I'm excited to preach this story with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, right, you want to follow along, I'm going to read you 12 verses from the book of Joshua chapter 2. The first 12 verses I'm going to roll into, and then we're going to break this story down. I spent a lot of time in January, the beginning of this year, and we talked about the children of Israel. A lot of time. Them in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness, we looked at them at the Red Sea, entering the promised land. We looked at Jericho, but I didn't look at Jericho from the perspective of a woman that really occupies a large percentage of real estate. We don't talk a lot about her, because her story, again, it's kind of like, I don't know, can we talk? They certainly don't talk about it in Kidmo. If I ask the kids who's Rahab, they go, I have no idea. But they know who David is. They know who Goliath is. They know who Daniel is. We kind of shy away from these kind of stories. 
The Bible doesn't. The Bible's pretty clear, and the Bible wants us to know, and we want to talk about it. And this is a gift from me to you, moms, but not just moms, everybody else in here, that society has said something to you and maybe threw you out and told you you weren't good enough, you weren't smart enough, you have too much sin in your past, you're too broken, look what you've done. God says, I make some beautiful music. And here it is. Let's roll right in. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for the word? You ready for the word? All right, here we go. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from, um, yeah, Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. It's like awkward sometimes being a preacher. Come on. You give me a, right? Give me a little, right? Come on now. Thank you. Why do you get, why are people stuffy right now? Don't be stuffy. Don't be stuffy. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't make that up. Anyway, so they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from at dusk. When it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. We have heard already. You didn't even walk in, but the enemy knew what happened before what God had done. We heard about the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt. And then what you did in Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth below. Wow, is that a statement of faith? Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. This is God's word for us. Can we break this down a little bit? Jay, you got a few minutes to break this down? You good? All right. Now, the first thing I want to say, which is fascinating when you analyze this story, do you remember 40 years prior when Moses was leading the children of Israel and he sent out two spies on a reconnaissance mission? Do you remember that? Do you remember that he sent out 12 spies? And what does the Bible tell us when the 12 came back? How many came back with a good report? Two out of 12. That's not good. So Joshua, who is now the leader of the people, in my estimation, has learned something, a lesson. He says, I'm not sending out 12 people to go check out Jericho. I'm only going to send out two people. And I don't know if you knew this, even if you've walked with the Lord for some time. Jewish tradition, everything that I read, they believe that Caleb was one of the two spies that was sent out by Joshua. Pretty cool, right? Because Caleb, you're like, Why, what does that matter? Caleb was the guy that went out the first time, and he and Joshua came back with a good report. So here the leader says, you are going to be one of the two guys, and you are going to go, and you are going to check it out. 
Let me tell you what Joshua also said here. Does Joshua tell them to go check out every city? You're in the promised land. Jericho is going to be the first city. Go check it. Does he say go check out all the cities? Go spy out all the cities? Does he say that? Hello? No, he doesn't say that. He says go spy out Jericho. Because sometimes if we try to win the whole battle, remember I preached this two weeks ago, if we try to win the whole battle at one time, we need small victories along the way. He says, go in one battle at a time so you're not overwhelmed. You know, when you're on your GPS or you're, you know, you're on your phone and you look at a route, you have to go from point A and you have to go to point B. God is saying, don't look at everything. Just stay and turn right here and then make a left here and just follow me by the power of my spirit. Go right here. Go left here. Go one step at a time and I'm going to lead you. That's what this story kind of shows me. And here it is. Here it is, a chapter. A whole chapter that's kind of devoted to a harlot, to a prostitute, not a king. This is not a queen. This is not a prophet. This isn't somebody that is important or prolific in society. This is a prostitute. Who's Joshua's number two man? Joshua's the guy leading the troop. Who's Joshua's number two man? Keith, any idea? Who's Joshua's number two man? Any idea? Anybody? Steve, you know who Joshua's number two man is? Caleb is? Bible doesn't really tell us. He probably is his number two man, right? Who's his number three man? I wanted y'all to get that wrong, so forget I asked that question. How do you like that? But here's, no, here's what I'm trying to say. The Bible doesn't say a heck of a lot about some other people that were with Joshua, but it talks about a prostitute. She gets a lot of love. She gets a lot of time here. God, why would you dedicate a chapter, even more than a chapter? Did you, did you know she is mentioned in the Bible seven times? Five out of the seven times, she is mentioned as a prostitute. She is mentioned as the harlot. That shady lady, that dirty woman. That's how the Bible classifies her, not how I classify her. Jewish legend also says this. She was one of the four most beautiful women to ever walk the face of the earth. I don't know if that's true, but man, I, I, I kind of want to believe that as I read the story here. But why does God have to, why, why do we have to call her the harlot? Can't we cloak this like with some like obscure Hebrew phrase? Can't we say like the best hostess in Jericho? <laughs> the one who made everybody feel welcome? Can't we just kind of hide? Do you really have to call her the prostitute? Does anybody have any of that cover up? Because I need some cover up for this biblical blemish. How do I cover up this story? I want to white it out. How do I clean it up? God, why did you put this story in here? It's bad enough her name sounds like rehab. You type it on your phone. That's what happens. <laughs> type in rehab right now on your phone and watch what it does. It's going to autocorrect that to rehab. How do I know? From experience. <laughs> From experience. 
And there they are, the, the two spies heading to Jericho's red light district. And the way I see the story, right? They sneak over into the enemy's camp. They probably almost got caught. There's no, there's no Airbnb. That's booked. Everything's booked. Jericho's Holiday Inn. That's booked too. And here they are, y'all. Chris, let me get. No, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. Right here. And here are the two spies. And they're. How you doing? You good? <laughs> and here are the two spies. And they're hiding. They're hiding in a prostitute's house. God, what kind of story is this? Why would you put a prostitute in the prostitute's house? Why would you put them there? Isn't this a crazy story? Of all the places, sometimes the person that you're talking about is the person that God wants to use. Man, that hit the room. Mike, did you feel that? It's true. The people we're talking about, the people we think have nothing to offer God, God says, I'll take that one because she's got exactly what I need. It's how I feel every week when I get up and preach. I know I'm unqualified to do this. Yeah, I am unqualified to do it, Mike. <laughs> I love this place. I love how you're just not religious. I'm taking my coat off now. Now you're making me feel real comfortable. Watch out. So, thank you. Love you too. Love you too. So here we are. Come on, y'all. Don't make me cry. I got to finish the sermon here. So it's late at night. I picture there's like torch lit, you know, the, the, the patrons are at these taverns, right? These torch lit taverns. And there they are, and they're having a good old time. And the king finds out about these two Hebrew spies and that they've somehow they made their way to the prostitute's house. Wouldn't you find that kind of weird if you were the king? Of all the places, really, you really you're telling me there are two spies and they're at that prostitute's house? Well, we need to go over there and take care of it. Now, can I tell you how I picture her, though? Can I tell you what I think she's like? As they, I see two soldiers and they come and they knock on the door. I see a woman that has like a, do you want me to, you, can, you want me to edit it or you want me to just talk like it would be in 2019? I see her in a low-cut Victoria's Secret kind of robe as she answers the door. I see her with a husky voice. She's not some demure little dainty woman. She is seasoned by life. She has been up against it. I see her with her one hand on her hip, and I see the other hand holding a glass of Prosecco. <laughs> Heck yeah, I do. boys we're closed tonight we're not here for that woman we heard that there are two spies that are here now this is where the story gets so rich we have a prostitute who lies to the soldiers she's one of the she's in the enemy's camp and she's willing to lie for these two men. Now, God, can I ask you a question? I know all these people are in here right now, but why would you put your whole plan, why would it depend on a prostitute? 
This whole plan is hanging by a thread. All she needs to do is say they're up top. And the plan is over and they're killed. And who knows what God has to do after that. The whole plan depends on a prostitute. His purpose and him demonstrating his glory on the earth depends on a prostitute. Put that in your theological pipe. What does that even mean? I don't What does that mean? James, what does that mean? <laughs> and you know what I love about this woman, though, too? You know what her profession, I'm thinking about as I'm taking notes all week, you know what her profession has taught her? Discretion. Discretion. She knows how to deal with guys. She knows how to hide things. She knows how to be conniving. She knows how to be slick. And the things, listen, this is what God told me to say. I felt in my spirit. This isn't like the audible, an audible conversation. It's just as I'm preparing, right? So you don't think that I'm crazy, okay? Right? And I'm asking you to drink Kool-Aid one day like Jim Jones. That's not where I'm going with that. I, gotta, no, I just got to throw that out there, seriously, right? But I just, had, I, I just really had this sense as I was looking at the text and I'm looking at everything and I said, you know what, God? You're amazing because you're going to use everything in our lives, even the things that we're not proud of. He uses that stuff. He used this woman and her past. He used her because she's the perfect one to not hide someone. And she's of ill reputation. Come on. He knows exactly what to do. And he looks at us and he says, I don't care. I'm going to work all things, not some things. I'm going to work all things for your good. Those people that have loved God and are called according to his purpose. I'm not just using some things. I'm using all all things. Now look what she says. I love this. Look what it says in 2, 8 through 10. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Well, how do you know that the Lord has given? Who is this woman? She's crazy. She's crazy. He's given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard what happened at the Red Sea. How did she know this? So the enemy knew about God's people before they ever came into the territory. And I want to tell you on Mother's Day 2019, how come we're running from a foe that is already afraid of us and is scared of us. And he says, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to keep you from knowing who you are. If he can stop us, from knowing who we are and the God that has a spotless reputation uses a woman who has a very questionable reputation and a questionable past, but the enemy here, what if the enemy knows more about us than we actually know about ourselves? What if, let that sink in, what if the enemy knows more about who we are because I think he does? He knows the word better than we do. He has watched trillions of people come on this planet and he's looking around all different ways and how do I take them out? And I want them, I want them to lift up a mirror and see the reflection of who they are. But man, if God can ever get us to pick up that mirror and see who we are in Christ, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that the old things have passed away. If he could ever get us 
to see that. And you know what? I'm thinking about it too. Maybe the trial you're going through in your life is a testament to the power that lies within you. Maybe the trials that you're going through in life are a testimony to God's power that's inside of you. Because I know the enemy, George, and the enemy doesn't waste bullets. He doesn't waste bullets. He'll send bullets and he attacks people that he knows have a calling and have a purpose if he can just keep us distracted and at a church and listen, involved in all of our kids' activities and all different things and keep us from sitting out of his, at, his, at the Lord's feet. He's happy. Distracted. Death by distraction. If I can just keep them distracted. If I can just keep them from actually seeing who they are in Christ's eyes, then I'm going to have them. Then I have them. And why do we, I, we I'm going to say this till I die from this pulpit. We have to stop associating and looking at the expectation that if we're under attack, it's the enemy, and if we, we, we want comfort, ease, and security, and when we have that in our lives, that means God's working in our lives. And God would say, a lot of times, you have a bullseye on your back. Friends, you have a bullseye. Family, you have a bullseye on your back. And if you are under attack right now, I would say it's because the enemy knows that you're close to where your destiny is and where God wants to take you, and he's sending everybody he's got in hell and trying to stop you from getting there. I'm preaching it. And here she is with these men. Can you hook a sister up? This is hook a sister up. It's a hook a sister up city. Can you hook me up? Because I'm not doing this. What am I going to get in return? Remember, she is understand. She knows how to play the game. So here she is in the story. What are you going to give me? So if I protect you, give me something that I can get in return. And then you see it here in 17 to 19. She, you know, this oath they made. Swear you will not be binding on us unless, unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window. A scarlet cord. What color is scarlet, y'all? It's red. So we tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down unless you have brought your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, everyone, your family into your house. If any of them are outside your house into the street, their blood will be on your own hands. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. And they make this deal. And then in the middle of the night... They climb out. Do you think it was strange if, they, if people saw two men climbing out of her window in the middle of the night? Uh-uh-uh. So I'm reading this, I'm going, people would go, yeah, that's Rahab's house. Yeah, they, they go again, right? I don't, oh, that's Mike, that's Tom, right? Can I play a game? Can I show you something? I've never done this before, but I had this when I was in a meeting recently, and I just want to, I kind of want you to see it. Can you give me a second as I run upstairs here? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, so I saw this and said, oh my gosh, this is too perfect. We actually have, watch out, you don't want to get hit. Okay, okay, so, so we have this. It fell, right? 
That's okay, because you saw the illustration. I don't know. That's okay. That's okay. Because I want you to see, right? So there's a red coin. You, know, you never know what I'm going to do, right? I, was, I couldn't wait to do this. So the same red cord, right? So there's a red cord, and she lets them down with this red cord, and the whole plan is hanging by a thread. The whole plan, God's whole plan here. You're going to take Jericho. But here is this woman. How amazing is this woman? I want to know more about her story. She sees God. She's in a foreign place. She's not supposed to look at things this way. And here she is, this woman that has this terrible reputation. Does anybody, I asked you earlier, but now I have to ask you again, is there anybody in here that's hanging by a thread? Is there anybody, maybe you're two months late on your mortgage right now and you're hanging by a thread? Is anyone's marriage in here hanging by a thread? Is anybody hanging by a thread at their job? Are you hanging by a thread with your kids? And you don't know where they are and they don't want to come to church and they don't want anything to do with God. You're hang- God, do you see me? I'm hanging by a thread. Lord, don't you see my life? And I know there's somebody in here this morning that you're literally hanging by a thread probably with your own life. Is that you? Well, if that's you, you're in the right place. Because God says... I do my best work with people when they're hanging by a thread. You may not feel smart enough. You may not feel pretty enough. You may not feel handsome enough. It doesn't matter because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But I'm going to prophesy and say to you this morning, it's not coming your way. It's not coming your way. You're hanging by a thread and you don't know how you're going to make it out. I'm here to tell you this morning that help is on the way. God hasn't forgotten you. And you know what? We are healed and we are saved by a thread. Did you know that when you look at the Bible? We are healed and we are saved by a thread. And then here it is. Can I bring it to Joshua 6 now? Can we start to, start to move? Oh, there's a picture of them, right? I saw this in artist rendering. I thought this was real good. What would it have been like, right? We always read the Bible. And we, 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 these are real stories, y'all. We saw the walls of Jericho and we went to Israel. You can think it's fake, but you're a fool and you're ignorant if you do because that means you've never been to the place where it actually happened. And you can look at the Bible and just say, whatever, it's all, it's all fake and there's no archaeological you know, evidence and it, pass, it fails the historicity test. And I would say again, that's an ignorant comment. Can I call it like it is? Thanks. <laughs> Joshua 6. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house. Now they're going in Jericho, right? This is it. Walls are coming down. Woo! Right? Bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, sisters, all who belonged to her. They brought out the entire family, put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because there it is again. There it is again. Here she is, this woman, the shady lady. Why does he save her? Because she hid the men. Joshua had sent a spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. What? What? She lives among the Israelites. So after this happened, she lived among the Israelites. And you know what's kind of weird to me, Steve? I look at this story. God didn't change her before he used her. 
God's, he didn't say you're now going to be somebody, you're going to go talk about all this, or you're going to be a prophet. None of that happened. He used her in that condition to save the children of Israel and save her family and be a, a, an instrument in God's hand. But there's another thread that's here. Do you know the, the, the scarlet who dropped the cord that they're hanging on? Did you know that she was actually a cord too? Her umbilical cord. Do you know that she was actually a cord? Let's put this up here on the stage and I'm going to read it to you. Let's push this through right across here, right across the stage. And then let me read to you. You know those parts in the Bible that sometimes we skip over? How about in the beginning of Matthew? The genealogy of Jesus. How many of you just kind of go ahead? You go to the second chapter. He begot, 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 Jesus. Right? Isn't that what we kind of want to do? But how about some of the places that we skip are places that God speaks. Some of the places we want to skip in the Bible and move past, God says, hold your finger there because that's where I want to speak. So look at this. Look at this. Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Salmon, love the name, had some last night. The father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. And then you go all the way down and you get to Jesus. Do you see that it was Rahab's umbilical cord that was the real cord that was connecting? Listen to me. Don't miss this. God said, I'm going to use this unsavory woman, this lady that has a shady past. And from her womb, eventually the Messiah is going to come and there's going to be adultery in this cord. There's going to be murder in this cord. There's going to be a lot of sin. It's not the perfect people I'm going to use. It's the people that society says they're trash. Because that's how I make my best music. And then how, how about this? You go to Hebrews, right? You know the whole, the whole of faith? You know the whole of faith in Hebrews 11? Can I just look at this real quick? You mind? You got another second, a few minutes? I got something good after this. Don't worry. I'm going to close with something good. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. Don't you love that? So it's at the end of her. They're talking about her toward the end of the Bible. And the author's not saying Rahab. It's the prostitute again. Because the writer wants us to know who she was, right? Well, hey, don't forget. Right, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? Now follow. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets. But wait a second. You have time to talk about Rahab and give her a few more sentences, another honorable mention in the Bible for what she did, but you don't have time to talk about David, a man after God's own heart? Oh, the Bible confounds the wise. What kind of story is this? I know this is an R-rated story and you don't like it with your Oreos and your milk and the, it doesn't fit on a flannel graph. Jen, right, would you do this story with the kids across the street? Yeah. No. <laughs> She's trying to be nice. No, we are never talking about... I think I want to come in next week and talk about the... <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing, right? What's that? You know what I'm thinking about too? Can I, can I just, you can come up to the keyboard maybe. This is where we're going to close in a minute. 
you want, when you go to heaven, let me ask somebody, who do you want to meet? Who do you want to meet when you, Eileen, when you go to heaven, who do you want to meet? You're in church now. You're in church. Remember what you say. You're in church. <laughs> who do you want to meet when you get there? It's a, a, not a deep question, just your first instinct. Who do you want to meet? Anybody. Who do you want to meet? Okay, I said you're in church. Who do you want to meet, Joanne, when you go to heaven? Joanne, come on. Come on, Joanne. No, come on. No, the class is failing. Suzanne, you have a picture. Who do you want to meet when you get to... What do do people always say? When I get to heaven, I just want to meet in life, the Bible. Bible, like think you're in church. Who do I want? I just want to be with... I just want... I just want to be with... Jesus. Wow. Give me a second. When you're the teacher sometimes and the class doesn't get the answer right, you have to take a second, take a deep breath. Mel, you know what I'm talking about, right? But we always say, stop it. Jesus first. Jesus. When you get to heaven, right? You want to see Jesus? No, you don't want to see Jesus? Because otherwise, why am I here? I love you. But here's what I was thinking about. Here's what I was thinking about. Here's what I'm thinking about. He is heaven. Pastor Linda, just preaching from the first row. You know what's wild? You know when you get to heaven? I was thinking, how many people are going to be in line to see Jesus? So I want you to imagine. Ready? Ready? Matt, you are 1,000. 796. You're the 1,796 person in line to see Jesus. And there you are in heaven, right? Think about it. How's this going to work? I'm just having fun here. Don't go like come up to me after go theologically. Oh, that is not the... Just stop. Okay? So imagine, imagine that you and you're in this long line. And when you get to the pearly gates, who do you see, Naeem? Who's there? He has, I thought about this, right? It's Peter is at the pearly gates, but I also see the sons of thunder. I see James and John, right? I see all three of them. I see Peter with his iPad and iPhone infinity. They finally got the last one. There's no more upgrades, y'all. I thought that was fun. There's no more upgrades. It's infinity and beyond, baby. That's it. We're all done. And there, there they are, right? And you get there and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's Peter. I preached about Peter. I preached about you. Easter 2019, Peter and Peter. And I can see Peter's over here. He's got his iPad. We got a we got a situation over here. <laughs> can I get some security? Hey, buddy, how are you? How you doing? Yep, yep. You, you know me. Yep, we know each other, right? And then I, I go over to Peter and I say. Do you mind if I get a fast pass? Because there's a long line here. You see Jesus? Now y'all know I go to, like, I gotta use my Disney illustrations whenever I can. When God gives them to me, I use them. You go to Disney, we went to Disney recently, and the line for Avatar, that ride, it's, it was a good ride. But when you spend four hours of your life on a line for a ride, I question your sanity, okay? We, we didn't, but we, we, we fast passed, right? So I imagine, yo, Petey, yo, Petey, can I get a fast pass for this, um, for this 
to see Jesus, I come back whenever I need to. A day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day, right? In heaven, right? So can I just come back whenever I, I need to go? Can I go see some other people? And I'm not going to see Paul. You know why I'm not going to see Paul? Because there's probably 500 people in line to see Paul. And I'm not going to see David because there's a lot of people that are in line to see David. And I'm not going to see Ruth. And I'm not going to see Esther. I'm not going to see those people. But I asked Peter, yo, Petey, is there any way I can go see the prophet, the prostitute Rahab? Hold on, hold on. Let me check in my iPad. Let me check in my iPad. Would you, would you say her name was again? Prostitute Rahab from the Old Testament. Do you remember her? Right, Peter, I'm starting to lose a little faith in you. Are you the real Peter? I'm, I'm sorry. We don't have anybody in heaven by that name. We do have another Rahab, but her name is Rahab the righteous. Rahab the righteous. You see, listen to me. In heaven, we don't identify people by who they were. We don't identify people by what they did. We don't identify people by how broken they are. I wish I had a church that was living right now because I'm preaching fire at you. I don't know you by your past. I only know you by your future. And I change your name. I just kind of want to, and you know what? Those things that you did in your life, those are facts. And what people maybe said about you, maybe you really did those things. But that doesn't define who you are in the eyes of God. It doesn't define who you are in the eyes of God. And mothers, I'm speaking to you right now. I know I'm a man, but listen, you don't know what can come from your umbilical cord and what God wants to do with you and what you can birth in your life and what God wants to do with your kids for eternity's sake to move on down the road. Don't you want to meet Rahab now in heaven? Don't you want to meet Rahab? I had fun putting this together because I said, you know what? I can't wait to get to heaven. Yo, I'm going to take a fast pass here, but I want to go over there and I want to meet this woman that God used so mightily in the Bible to show us his amazing grace. It's the gospel of the second chance and Graham Lutz, the slim chance, the no chance, the fat chance. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not by our righteousness. No, there is not one righteous. No, no, there is not one. The only one that was righteous was Jesus. Why don't you stand up on your feet this morning? And you know, as we close, I know the greatest place that our reputation needs repair this morning is within ourselves. How we see ourselves. That's where we need some repair this morning about who we are. God doesn't see you how you see you. He doesn't see me how I see myself. Can't wait to get there, right, one day? This is going to become a reality one day. Talk about heaven. Heaven isn't some static place, some static, unchanging existence that we sing amazing grace for a million years. No, that's not what heaven's going to be. And I'll tell you what, Randy Alcorn talks in his book that he thinks is actually, and he, he gives verses to back it up, that there's actually time in heaven, that there'll be time, time and space. Everything has become so ethereal. Everything has become, you know, heaven is going to be concrete. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. 
coming down. Heaven is coming down here to earth. And God, is creation is even groaning, waiting for its redemption. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you because you are a God of grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you. You are the God of second chances. Lord, I thank you that you put this woman's story in the Bible to teach us valuable lessons about how we see ourselves and how we see you, almighty God. Lord, I thank you for this woman, Rahab, on this Mother's Day, 2019. Lord, may we see that however far we think we are from you, we're not, and you'll chase us down. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If this word resonated with you on any level, I want you to sing this song with passion. Let's sing it with some passion this morning. That we were, we're saved. That we're a people who have been touched by his grace. Just like that music, that, that orchestra we talked about in the beginning. God does some of his best work when he takes our lives and he says, I'm just, it may not look the way we want, it may not happen in our time, but I know a God that says, I finish what I start. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He who began a good work in your life is going to be faithful to complete it. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.